Welcome to Crossview Radio, a weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. I'm a little late to the party on this one, but did you see the article on forgiveness in the Worcester Daily Record? It was from the January 6th edition, and the title was, quote, not all sexual misdeeds are unforgivable, end quote. I think it's great that we're talking about this, and it's not every day that you read the words sexual misdeeds and forgiveness in the same article. I like to comment on the article just a little bit. Uh, Michael Gottlieb, I think I'm saying that name correctly, um, a Jewish rabbi and author of the article, writes this, quote, One aspect of legitimately bringing sexual harassers to light, however, has been overlooked. The ability to forgive genuinely repentant wrongdoers. End quote. To this statement, I would give a hearty amen. He's right. Forgiveness has been overlooked. But I did find myself in disagreement when I read this. Quote, some transgressions are morally unpardonable. Murder is chief among them for the simple reason that the victim is not alive to grant forgiveness. Consistent with Jewish thought, neither God nor any other intermediary can reconcile a wrong on the perpetrator's behalf. End quote. Morally unpardonable sins, God's inability to reconcile wrongs. Now, this point, I'm going to have to extend a little bit of uh, a grace and benefit of the doubt here, because if he's talking merely of horizontal forgiveness, that is forgiveness between people, then I think there's a sense in which he's correct. There's a sense in which one cannot forgive sins on behalf of someone else, horizontally speaking. But that's exactly where the problem lies. That is the fact that he's talking merely of horizontal forgiveness, because a conversation on forgiveness cannot be meaningful without first uh, taking the the concept of vertical forgiveness into consideration in in part of the conversation. And vertical forgiveness, we're going to say, is forgiveness from God. Okay, so when we broaden the conversation to include divine forgiveness— Then we're noticeably uncomfortable with the statement, quote, neither God nor any other intermediary can reconcile a wrong on the perpetrator's behalf, end quote. Why? Well, because of the testimony of Scripture. Now, for the sake of argument, let's look at the Jewish Tanakh, which is the Christian Old Testament, and see what we find. Okay, I'm going to read uh, from the Jewish Bible here, the Jewish translation, Genesis 39, verse 9. Uh, This is the, the story where Joseph is tempted by Potiphar's wife, and Joseph argues back to her when she tries to commit adultery with him. Um, Joseph says, talking about her husband, he wields no more authority in this house than I, and has withheld nothing from me except yourself, since you are his wife. And then he says this, how then could I do this most wicked thing and sin before God? Now, the ESV uh, translates this sin against God, bringing out the concept and the idea that that Joseph recognizes that his sin is ultimately against God, even though there's a sense in which it's against um, Potiphar and his wife. Now, this is ambiguous because uh, it says before God in the the Jewish translation here. Let's go to Psalm 51, verse 6. Now, again, I'm I'm quoting from the Jewish Bible here. Uh, If you are looking at this um, in another English translation like the ESV, or, or NASB or NIV or whatever, it's going to be in verse 4, uh, Psalm 51.4 or Psalm 51.6 here. 
in the Jewish Bible. Uh, it says this against David writes against you alone have I sinned. Now the context is where he's uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba and then murdered her husband Uriah. And so the response to this, what David acknowledges is even though he's committed adultery against Bathsheba, even though he's murdered Uriah, all sin ultimately is against God. Even horizontal sins against our fellow man are ultimately all against God, which is good news. Because if all sin is against God, then all sin is therefore forgivable by God. When the prophet Nathan confronts David for his murder and adultery, we read in 2 Samuel, uh, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Okay, so he's acknowledging that his sin is against God. Um, and And then we read this, and Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin, you shall not die. And so in this context, sin here is against God, and it's also forgivable by God. God puts his sin away. He forgives it. There are other references, again, quoting from uh, the Jewish Bible here, um, and you could read these same uh, verses uh, in, in um, another translation as well. But Psalm 32, verse 5, uh, David says this, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover up my guilt. I resolved I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And what happens here? And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Okay, it, we don't read that he had to go get for, uh, horizontal forgiveness from, let's say, Uriah, for instance, or whatever other situation um, he's, he's sinned in. He merely needs forgiveness by God and God forgives him. Psalm 103, verse 3, he forgives all your sins. Okay, God forgives all of our sins. And now here's why this is important, because if God is incapable of forgiving others, okay, and someone withholds forgiveness from me, then I'm still held accountable for my sin. If God can't forgive that sin, he's unable to, and someone else says, I'm not going to forgive you, then what happens is I'm being held accountable for my sin, and I must be punished for it because God is a just God. And so to leave the concept of forgiveness at a horizontal level eliminates my ability to be forgiven and to be in a right relationship with God. Now, I'm going to come back to this in a minute at the end. But in the meantime, there's one more problem I'd like to pull out uh, in, in, uh, in this article here. The second difficulty that I had was a theme that was woven throughout the article, which began actually in the title itself. Remember, the title was not all sexual misdeeds are unforgivable. What does that leave us with? It leaves us with the obvious question, but, but most are? Is that the case? The difficulty... I think is when the author places sins in two categories, forgivable offenses and unforgivable offenses. And he makes that point pretty clear. Just to bring a couple of uh, quotes here from the article, we read, uh, what might prove to be unforgivable and endlessly traumatic to one may be forgivable to another. Okay, so he, he this idea of forgivable and unforgivable. Another one here, uh, he says, lesser misconduct should be forgiven, uh, which the implication is greater misconduct should not be forgiven, or at least that's left unanswered. Uh, Another quote here, those wishing forgiveness for the forgivable wrongs they've committed have the potential to be pardoned. Okay, so we've got forgivable wrongs. Another quote, granting forgiveness when possible. And uh, one more here, uh, but braver still are those who can forgive their tormentors. And then he says this, under circumstances that justify it. So there are, uh, according to him, circumstances that justify forgiveness, circumstances that do not justify forgiveness. If some transgressions are morally unpardonable, then we're left with a notable lack of clarity. 
if forgiveness ought to be extended only in those situations which justify it, what are those situations and who gets to decide? We're left totally unprepared to make this decision. He has not provided us with the moral framework needed to make that decision. The best that I can determine is forgiveness is justified only if the offended party subjectively determines it to be forgivable. And I'm getting that from his statement here. Quote, what might prove to be unforgivable and endlessly traumatic to one may be forgivable to another, end quote. It seems to argue that position. If that's correct, okay, and I'll extend the benefit of the doubt here, but if that's correct, then forgiveness ceases to be commendable or meaningful. We celebrate forgiveness and reconciliation when it's the hardest. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 46 to 47, if you, for, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? To continue the moral principle Jesus lays out here, if you only forgive those who forgive you, or if you only forgive those who are easy to forgive, what reward do you have? If forgiveness is left up to the subjective decision of the offended party, then why do we need the command to forgive at all? It ceases to be necessary. It's like saying, do what's intuitive to you. Well, we don't need to be told to do that. We already do that. The command to forgive is given because it goes against the grain of human intuition. Ironically, it's precisely because forgiveness is counterintuitive that we need the command to forgive. It's precisely because forgiveness has been left to the whims of the individual that we're told to forgive in all situations. Maybe that's why Jesus doesn't impose any limitations on forgiveness. In Matthew 18, he says, or we read Peter uh, says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, Peter was being generous here, or at least thinking he was being generous. And uh, Jesus uh, counteracts that by communicating that there should be no limits on forgiveness. Forgiveness is not the absence of consequences. Okay, let's, let's say that. We can forgive people and punish wrongdoers at the same time. It's not inconsistent. God does that with David, at least in terms of earthly consequences. David was forgiven of his sin uh, with Bathsheba, his sin, uh, murder with Uriah. However, there are earthly consequences. And, and I, for one, will say that I think our justice system is far too lax today. But also remember that forgiveness is not easy, okay? I'm not making that claim. I've been in situations which strain at my own moral capacity to forgive, and that's why we need Jesus to provide us with the grace needed to forgive. This is why only a biblical framework makes the concept of forgiveness meaningful and possible, because only Christianity takes forgiveness as far as it needs to go, and that's to Jesus. We read in 1 John uh, 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Horizontal forgiveness is important, but it's not enough. It is only made possible by vertical forgiveness. Ultimately, genuine forgiveness cannot happen until we've first been forgiven by God. And for that, we need to repent and trust in Christ as Savior. Forgiveness is ultimately a salvation issue. It's ultimately a gospel issue. And any talk on forgiveness must include the reality that we need more than forgiveness. Forgiveness alone is where our debt is removed, okay? But we need positive righteousness credited to our account, and that can only happen through trust in Christ. We're told even that Abraham believed God, and God credits it to him, his belief to him as righteousness. Paul later tells us in Philippians that we need a righteousness not our own, 
one that comes through Jesus. We need Christ's forgiveness first, and then we take that and bring it to the world. Jesus says this, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Which sins should I forgive? Jesus tells us all of them. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us at crossvieworville.com. Thank you.